Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're joining us this morning, whether here in-house or online. Uh, I don't know. I think everybody knows, but I, I'm the pastor here. My name is Paul Huft. I'm also a high school football coach, and we got our first win this week. Uh, yeah, the grass is a little greener and the air a little fresher, and just everything seems to be uh, much, much, much better. So that's been really, really nice. We are so glad that you joined us here this morning. Uh, we hope that you can experience God this morning as we worship. So stand with us now, and uh, let's just dive in. Change right now, right now. God, let your glory come. 
he's up to something. Thank you, God, for choosing us to dwell amongst.
nothing makes us more alive than Christ, right? Thanks for singing with us. Have a seat. Good morning. Very glad that you're here. Don't want to trip over here. There we go. All right, so uh, a couple of announcements. Um, Chase Yulhorn and I are going to be here at 5.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's, it's early uh, for a men's prayer time. Chase and I will be here regardless uh, to pray over the church, to pray over the Wednesday night gathering, uh, and to pray for each other. So if you want to show up, uh, it's kind of a men's thing, as I mentioned, uh, but you are more than welcome to. Him and I can do it alone. That's totally fine, but the doors will be open at, at five, between 5.30 and 6, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, for some prayer time. The CPF families area has adopted a uh, Haitian child, so the, uh, we encourage, if you have kiddos, to talk to them about tithing and donate. But that doesn't stop any of you adults that have money from donating as well to help our Haitian child. Um, so there's that. Okay. Next Sunday after church, the 27th, we're going to have a business meeting. And uh, if, so if you call CPF home, if you're a member, we hope that you'll come to the business meeting. Uh, we will mainly be discussing uh, the church budget including some pay adjustments for staff members. It's been quite a while since they've had any pay uh, adjustments. We are going to be discussing uh, the youth pastor position and Clay Miller up for nomination, as well as an elder position where uh, David Thomas, who you just saw doing some excellent drumming, will be up for nomination. We also, we haven't announced this in a while, we have some assisted listening uh, devices. If that is something that would help you, um, talk to Phil if you need more information about where those are or how to use them. And we still have the wooden tables and chairs. If anybody knows anybody that's interested in those, uh, we can donate them, sell them, whatever. We just kind of want them gone. So if you know anybody that would be interested in these big, thick chairs that we had to get rid of from the bay, please let us know. Now is the time for connection break. It's a five-minute break. Kiddos go to the CPF families area. See, that's how you do it right there. Everyone else, get up, grab a donut, use the restroom. That five minutes is yours, and we'll see you at the end of it. Well, good morning. Uh, you know, last week Clay came down on the floor, but I like my power position of being up higher, so I'm going to stay here because I'm in charge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, if you were at the picnic, you'd understand that. Jack uh, took the wiffle ball game a little too seriously and yes. let us all know that he was in charge. So, I mean, and we did because we won. So, and Caitlin, uh, Caitlin hit Jack with a bat at one point. That was a real thing that happened. Uh, before we get started today, I do want to just give a quick shout out to Jessica Souza. If you guys haven't been to our bathroom yet, uh, it no longer looks like it belongs in a jail. Uh, <laughs> It is actually uh, warm and inviting and clean, and so she's done a lot of work. She also painted our back wall, too, and touched up a bunch of spots around the room, so she's been uh, knocking out a lot of things around church, so I just wanted to let her know that she's appreciated. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but my wife and I like watching the Food Network, uh, specifically cooking shows. I know Amanda does, and I know Jack watches it. I don't know if he likes it, but I know he watches it. 
Now, there's three shows we really like. Uh, Guys Grocery Games is one, Chopped, and then uh, Beat Bobby Flay. There's some others, but I'm, I'm talking about the competition shows right now. I like Beat Bobby Flay as long as Bobby Flay's getting beaten because he's kind of a jerk. So, uh, But that's, that's a whole other story for another time. Now, if there's competition and there's food involved, like we're down. We will watch it. We like it. The shows are intense. Usually what happens is that people are given a key ingredient or a key dish that they have to create, and they have a certain amount of time to do it. Uh, and, and so it's constant go, and they're competing against somebody else uh, to, to be judged, and their food has to be better. And the whole thing is just like you're kind of on your edge of your seat. It's almost like an action film, but food's involved, and so I'm all about it. Um, now, when it comes to judging, there's usually two cardinal sins, and if you watch these shows, you're going to know what they are. The first is this. They didn't shine light on their main ingredient, right? Like they were given an ingredient, you have to make asparagus, the main part of your dish. And like, it was like all I tasted was cheese, and the, that wasn't the challenge. Or, or they didn't season their food enough or at all, right? There's no salt. It's, the car, it's like the number one thing. What's the first rule of cooking? Season your food. You have to add salt to it. So if you do one of those two things, chances are you're going to get sent home. Now, as Christians, how are we going to make this connection, right? As Christians, we put Christianity before the world every single day to be judged through the way that we live our lives. And we need to be asking ourselves whether or not that Jesus is the main thing shining through in the way that we live our life. And we also need to make sure that we are being the salt, okay, the salt to the extravagantly difficult dish that is our world. That's a metaphor, in case you were wondering. Matthew 5.13, we're going to be Matthew 5, we'll be 13 through 16 today. We're looking at the part of the Beatitudes right after Jesus blesses the crowd where he charges them to be the salt and light. Matthew 5.13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. See, it's worthy to note, first and foremost, that you and I and all of us that have accepted Christ have been charged with carrying out these two purposes. The first that we're talking about being the salt of the world. I think it's very important to note that right after Jesus gets done blessing the crowd, he confirms and affirms for them that the blessed are there with him. You are the salt. You are the light. And so Jesus right here, he's saying, first and foremost, those of you who follow me, who have received this blessing, you must be the salt and the light to the earth. You, not them. Me, not they. We must take a personal responsibility to do that duty. And if we think about it, really, we should be honored. We should be honored because Christ has chosen us as partners to fight for the souls of man. And how we join in this fight first is by being the salt of the earth. Now, salt serves two purposes. First, it seasons, right? It seasons. It adds flavor. It changes the composition of that which it's added to. And secondly, it preserves. It maintains. It helps keep it constant. Now, first, when it comes to seasoning, here's the thing. We all season. You may not know this, but you season. Everywhere you go, you season. Some of y'all are a bit spicy. Some of y'all are salty in the wrong way, right? Like we all season. We all leave something in our wake. The question is, how are we seasoning? Will we leave behind a bitter taste with those who we come across with? Or will people be pleased to have had us have an effect on them? That's a big deal. And there is a big difference. And we have to grasp that 
we are always leaving an impression. We are always showing people who Jesus is. You ever notice the first time you get a little cranky with somebody or you step out of line, the thing that comes up out of their mouth, whether they are Christian or not, is Christian, right? I thought they were a Christian. Hmm? Not very Christian of them, is it? You know, automatically, automatically. And it shines a negative light on our Jesus when we have those moments. And so we have to constantly be on our guard. And yes, that can be tiresome. And yes, that can be stressful. And yes, sometimes you just feel like I can't live up to this standard. But understand that Jesus has charged you and chosen you and looks at you as somebody who can join him in the fight to spread the love that he has for the world to everyone who's in the world. How are we affecting change? Is our life bringing glory to God? Is it bringing God's love to others? Is it bringing God's love to others? See, we're either furthering the kingdom or we aren't. I really believe there's no middle ground. We are either daily furthering the kingdom of God or we are not doing it. If you take two steps forward just to take two steps back, you're not moving anywhere. And so we have to do some self-introspection. We have to do some self-reflection. We have to really dig deep down and figure out, what am I leaving behind? Am I seasoning the world with goodness or am I showing them that Jesus has had no impact on my life whatsoever? In 1 Peter 2.12, we're told that we have to be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. We must pay special attention to how we live life among unbelievers. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we can let our guard down around Christians and we can all heathen it up because we're Christians and, you know, we can go party now because we all know Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. We always have to be on our guard. We always have to be on our P's and Q's. But especially when we are around non-believers, we need to make sure that we are a reflection of Christ. Because not doing that, not being that reflection may not only damn them to hell, but you will face consequences. On that day when you were before Jesus and you were before God, and we have to give an account for the way that we've lived our life, you will have consequences for driving people away from the very thing that we should be pulling people towards. You know, when people tell lies about you, what really hurts isn't that they lied. What hurts is that people that heard the lie might actually believe it. I want you to hear that again. When people tell lies about you, it doesn't hurt that they lied. What hurts is that people that they tell might actually believe it. So we have to live our life in a way that says, when people lie about me, it's going to fall on unbelieving ears. When people think, hear that, they say, I just, I just don't see... David doing that. I don't see Jerrica doing that. I don't see Clay behaving that way, you know, or, 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 or harming people in this manner. If people hear lies about you and they think, yeah, I could totally see that, I've got a problem. There's an issue there. You see, your conduct should have the same effect on others as salt, that like when in taking something salty, they thirst, in this case, not for a drink, but for the difference that they see in you. 
That was wordy, so I hope it makes sense. But the way that we live our lives should make people thirst for the difference that they see in us, for the righteousness that's there, not on our own account, okay? Not, not because of something that we did, but because of something that Jesus did, because of the blessings that he has placed on us. Our life should point people directly towards the cross. And boy, oh boy, if it's not, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Now, if we look at salt as a preservative, when it comes to preservation, salt has been used as a preservative for ages, for ages, especially with meats. See, what happens is you cover a food in salt, just lots of salt, 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 salty, salt, salt, salt everywhere. And that salt dehydrates the food that it surrounds, and it effectively pulls the water out of the food. Well, bacteria, like all living things, needs water, water to survive. And so when there's no water present, the bacteria can't live, it can't thrive, and the food does not spoil. It doesn't spoil. As the salt of the earth, it's our job to preserve what is good in this world. What is good in this world. You see, evil cannot thrive or exist where good holds its place. It just can't. It just can't. We'll get to this. It's, it's kind of like how darkness can't exist when light is present, right? Line will outshine darkness every single time. Well, good will outshine evil every single time. And so I think that we have an obligation to fight for God's goodness. We have an obligation to fight for what's right. Godly things, biblical-based righteousness. See, here's the thing that I think all of us have to grasp, and not just people watching and not just us in here, but everyone. Right and wrong does not care about our opinions. Right and wrong does not care about your opinion. Right and wrong does not care about how it makes you feel. Right and wrong doesn't say, oh, well, I'm sorry you don't feel this is right. We'll change. No. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. It's not a human-based construct. We are not in control of right and wrong. We don't get to deem what's right and wrong. God created it, just like he created everything else. Right and wrong is a God-centered, God-based ideal. Where he laid out, this is what's right, and this is what's wrong. Which means that some of the things that we want to be right aren't. We got to get over it. Some of the things we want to be okay are not okay. And we can change scripture all day long. And we could say, well, in this case, the scripture's not literal. It's just like um, an idea. And there's been so much time that's passed. And that was for thousands of years ago. And we're now we're thousands of years. And we're just so much smarter now. We have computers. So obviously the Bible's wrong. No, Karen, shut up. <laughs> the Bible is the Bible. And the Bible is the word of God. Plain and simple. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, it all holds water or none of it does. It's all true or none of it is. It's useful or it's not. And it's our job to preserve the good that's in the Bible. I'm here to affirm for you that the Bible is God's word, that it is true, that it is holy, and that sometimes it will shine light on our darkness and make us feel not so good about ourselves. And you should get over it, not try to change it. 
And you shouldn't let others try to change it either. If you're in a conversation and somebody is saying something biblically incorrect, you have an obligation to fight that. You have an obligation to say that's not the case. And that's not godly. I realize it makes you feel better. Maybe you shouldn't say it this angry or this intense. I realize it makes you feel better. I realize it makes you, you feel like you're loving people more to change what the holy scriptures of God say. But in fact, you're doing the opposite. Because every time we teach something that's not in the Bible, every time we fight for something that's not in the Bible, we are pushing people into hell. You might as well open the door, Spartan kick them in, and shut the thing. And I don't mean to sound angry, I don't mean to sound intense, but my goodness, when are we going to wake up and realize that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and it's our job to fix it? When are we going to take that charge? When are we going to see that Jesus is depending on us and that we have work to do? I'm not mad at anybody. I want to be very clear about that. I'm really not. I'm really not. I'm going to smile here. I'm not. But I, I just so intensely feel this in my heart, the obligation and the duty that I have to Jesus, who sacrificed himself on a cross, who allowed himself to be beaten and whipped and spit on and lied about and literally nailed to a tree for me and for you. And it's our job in return to fight for what he says is right and what is good. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I'm not even good. He's called good teacher and he says, I'm not good. Who do you see that's good? It's only God that's good. And we have an obligation to fight for that. It is our job. It is our duty. We will be hated for it. You will be prosecuted, persecuted. You might be prosecuted for it one day too. We'll be persecuted for it for sure. And we're going to be lied about because of it. But here's the thing. The word is light and God's truth is light and it dwells within us. And you are a light. And Jesus affirms that. You are a light. You are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I find it absolutely remarkable that Jesus attributes here a quality to us that he attributes to himself. He calls us the light of the world. In John 8, 12 and a few other places, Jesus, it says Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It is that light, it is that light that we are to be shining for all people to see. It's that light of life that's implanted in all of us that we have to let grow. It's put there at the moment of salvation and it outshines all of the darkness within us. See, here's the beauty of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's not that the minute he did it, darkness just went away. It's not that the minute that he did it, we just no longer have evil thoughts or evil feelings. 
It's that the light that he implanted within us outshines all of that. So when God looks at us, where before that moment he would have seen the darkness and he would have seen the evil and he would have seen everything in you that would have said, this person is going to hell. Instead, he sees light. Instead, he sees light. And Jesus put it there for you. And it's our job to choose that light over our darkness and let that light shine for all the world to see. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Like stars in the sky. How awesome is it that God created a world that even when we are in darkness, we can still see? That even in, when we're in darkness, there's still sources of light. I think of it as a reminder. You see, every time we face darkness in life, if we would just look up, we would see light. I don't think it's an accident that God placed our sources of light in the sky to remind us that when we are facing times where we feel like we can't make it through, where we are facing times where we feel like God has turned his back on us, where we face times where we just say, man, I've got to give up right now. If we will just look up, we'll see the light. We'll see the light. And if we would just look to Jesus, if we would just look to God in those times, I think that we would see the light. Shining light into the world and being salt for that matter is a lot more about our disposition and a lot less about our condition. I'll say that again. Shining light into the world and being salt to the world is a lot less about our condition, and a lot more about our disposition. It's about your outlook. Not about how you're feeling right now. Not about how hard life is right now. And I'm not discounting those things. I want you to hear me on that. I'm not saying that we don't face darkness. I'm not saying that we don't face heartache. I'm not saying that things aren't rough. I'm not saying any of that whatsoever. Our world has a lot of darkness illness, death, mental health struggles. There's a lot that we can look at and we can say, man, our world is such a dark, dark place. And all that says to me is, that gives me so much more reason to be the light. That gives me so much more reason to be the salt. To season everything that I come across. I could go on forever about this, but I'll, I'll wrap it up. Salt and light, they're two functions of Christian living that share a similar purpose, right? And that is to point people to Jesus. That's to point people to the cross. That's to show people the love of God and who God is. That's why Christ says that we're the salt. That's why Christ says that we're the light. But while their purposes are similar, they're not exactly the same. You see, salt 
works internally. When salt is added from the inside out, it makes change. We are salt every day in our workplaces, in our family units, in our communities. And we should be working from the inside out to change that. See, but light, light works externally. It's real easy to read this passage and say, Jesus is saying the same thing two different ways, but he's not. He's saying that we must work in the hearts of man, in the groups that we live in, in our homes, in our workplaces, in the groups that we find ourselves in on a regular basis. But we are also supposed to shine light. You know, the thing about light is light doesn't discriminate on which surface it shines. You turn a light on, it illuminates everything. And so not only are we supposed to be doing this in the places that we live, in the groups of people that we come across all the time, but we are supposed to be light to the world. Which means that we're going to have to go places that we haven't been before. And we're going to have to put ourselves in situations where we're not 100% comfortable. Because God has called us to, yes, be salt, but to also be light. And so we're going to have to diversify our presence in order to be light. And that takes effort. And that takes a strong desire to, to follow God because it will call us to go places, like I said, we haven't been to people we don't know and maybe aren't the most comfortable around. But right and wrong doesn't care about your feelings. So what's the challenge? Be salt and be light to the world. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. We ask these two things, that you help us to be the salt and the light in the world, that you convict us of, uh, of the wrong that we do in the times where we aren't representing you in the way that we should. God, we pray that you bring us back to the cross and that you give us a, a, a spirit and a heart for people that says, I will serve and I will be salt and I will be light and I will apologize for the times when I'm not. Help us to lay our lives down at your feet as an offering that simply says more than anything in the world, more than anything in the world, I just want to live my life for you and I want to point people towards Jesus. Help us to hold one another accountable. Help us to strengthen one another and, and push one another forward so that we are being the change in the world that this world so desperately needs. Help us to have a heart for your word and for the scriptures that says, I desire truth above all else and I will leave my feelings at the door. And as we open our Bibles and we read from cover to cover and all in between, God, I would just pray that you help the truth that's there just resonate within us. Give us the desire to be fighters, to fight for that truth in a way that shows the world that we love them, even if we disagree with them. At the end of the day, we are blessed. We are blessed beyond comprehension. We are blessed beyond measure. That blessing is overflowing. 
And those of us who have received that blessing, it's our job to be the light that shines in the darkest places on earth and to be the salt in places that have been untouched by the seasoning of God. We ask all these things in your powerful name. Amen. I'm going to be down here on the front row standing next to my wife, and I'm going to worship. But if you need to pray with me, please come do so. I know there's a lot of hurt in this world. You know, my, uh, my mother-in-law's husband, Casey, he, he lost his dad last night. We got a call around 8 o'clock that he had passed away, and, and he, he'd been struggling with some health issues, but at the same time, it was still unexpected. I know that uh, Deb Heberlin right now is going to go through a really bad week of chemotherapy where she's going to have a cocktail of a number of medications. And she did this a couple weeks ago, and it was just really rough. And so I know that she could use your prayer too. And I know that there's hurt all over this room. And this is the place to let go of that hurt. And this is the place to find help for that hurt. So if you need to pray with somebody, please come pray with me or grab somebody else. There's somebody you're closer to, somebody you feel more comfortable with. Pray with them. If you just want to keep it between you and God, come use the stage over here as an altar. That does two things, okay? First of all, it is an encouragement to all of us to see somebody listen to that call. But secondly, it lets us know that there's something that we can be praying for you about. We don't have to know what it is, but we can still know that there's something in life that you need prayer for. And so we want to be that encouragement to you as a church We want to help you be salt and light, but we also want to help you experience those things as well. If you would like to join our church, you want to talk about membership, we can do that right after service. If you want to talk about salvation, we need to do that right this second. If you don't know Jesus, but you do want to know Jesus, and you want Jesus to be a part of your life, and you want to know what it's like to experience his blessing, but also to join him in the fight for good, I can talk to you about that. I can talk to you about it all day long. It's my favorite subject. Otherwise, just stand with us now and let's worship and just pour our hearts out to God.
shall suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be His name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountaintops. We'd hear Christ be magnified, be magnified in us, Lord. Oh, Christ be melody and every human heart its native cry oh then in one raptured hymn of praise we'll sing Christ be That's right. I won't be for my feelings. I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you, Lord. Yes, death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you Be magnified. 
stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. Yes, I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you, Lord. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, I will now join you in your rise, Lord. When you return in glory, and all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. And my song will be the same. Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified for the altar of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that our sufferings are not just ours. You share it with us in those sufferings. Lord, I thank you so much that you um, promise that, that whenever we are feeling like we're in the fire, that you are there with us. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you died in a, an incredible death on an incredible, an incredible way to pay the price eternally for all all of these sinners in this room and, in, and across this world. And Lord, boy, what, what is our suffering? What is our sacrifice compared to that? What is our sacrifice compared to what you've given? We could never match what you've done. And we could never come under more persecution than what you have endured for us because you love us. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, across the, the stream as people are worshiping with us here even now. Lord, I am just in awe of, of how little you're asking us to do and, and how afraid we are to do it. It is amazing to me how you just are asking us to be like you. And, and it is so hard to be like, like you sometimes. And it, and it is a, a struggle and, and the fear is real. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just condemn that fear to death and that you would help us to shine light in this world. Lord, let us be an example. Let us be the, the reason that people come to you. You've, you've given us the incredible gift of being a part of that story. We love you and we thank you for that. Let's sing one more song to him. Um, the, the words of this song are, are, are very powerful, I think, um, and, and especially what we're talking about this morning. Um, the, the chorus says, let the walls come down in Jesus' name. Let the lost be found in Jesus' name. Let the church, not God. God is already on the move. God is already alive in this world, and nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do will ch ever change that. But the song says, let the church arise to shine your light in the world. This is how I want us to enter our time together this morning. Let's sing this together.
is no limit to your power. That's right. There is no stopping what you plan. You give us faith to move the mountains and hope to dream again. It's all Him, it's all His power. We see the fires of revival. The darkness giving way to light. The glory of your grace advancing. Let it burn out the night. Let it burn out the night. Let the walls come down in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
because I, I know you feel the same way as me, but the Spirit is rising up within us, right? We can't help but to sing these songs at the top of our lungs because we know God reigns. He is so powerful, and He can move, and He will, he will bring a salvation's tide to the city if we will be a part of it. Um, and, and guess what, guys? I'm not going to end on this because I want to end positive, but if we don't, God will find others. God will move with other people. He will not choose us. He will look past us because he can, he can find the rocks, right? Like the rocks will cry out. But he needs us and he wants us to be involved. So let's, let's do that. Let's, let's not just be hearers of the word this week, but to actual doers. The people you work with, the people that you live next to, your family members that don't need Christ, they need salt, they need light. Um, let's shine, shine that light to him. It's just his light anyways. We don't have to manufacture anything. We just have to live what God has been living inside of us in front of others. So I, I just hope that we get to do that this week. Thank you so much for being here. Um, God is on the move. He's on the move here at Crosspoint. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.